finding big opportunities by working for a young company, learning how to work with different personality types, and living on purpose every day to bring sustainability, service, and stewardship to farmers. That's what we're covering today on this episode of the Uplevel Dairy Young Leaders Podcast. This is a special podcast series for producers and professionals in the first five years of their dairy careers that you can find on the Uplevel Dairy Podcast and on its own platform, Uplevel Dairy Young Leaders. I'm Peggy Coffin, and it's my mission to connect you with others who are like you, driven to make a difference and determined to do it in the dairy industry. Whether you're on the farm or in the field, this is the place to plug in to hear how your peers are overcoming challenges and stepping up to lead the way as dairy's future decision makers, movers, shakers, and innovators. If you know someone in the first five years of their dairy careers, send them a link to the show that's created just for them. And our featured young leader today is Taylor Zeltwanger. He joins us from Morris, Minnesota, where he resides with his wife. This 2020 South Dakota State University grad started working for his uncle's company, Nutridrip, while in college, and five years later has channeled his massive energy and executory skills into a career helping farmers capture the value of persistent egg and sustainable farming practices. Taylor tells us about his path the challenges that have come up along the way, and the powerful sense of purpose he finds in serving farmers every single day. Enjoy this conversation with up-level dairy young leader, Taylor Zeltwanger. Taylor, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. So I grew up on a family farm, and when I was six years old, uh, another family actually approached my family, and they ended up putting a Uh, 5,000 cow dairy uh, on our home farm. And so I spent a lot of Saturdays uh, in the mastitis parlor eating donuts and milking cows when I was seven, eight, and nine. Uh, And that was my first exposure to dairy and some of the operations that occurred there. And then throughout my high school career, I, I didn't enjoy milking cows all that much. So I tried to figure out a way to get into a tractor as quickly as possible. And went down the road and worked for another family operation for uh, four or five years in high school, just running tractors, mergers, rock picking, all the kind of pressure washing, a lot of things all the time. And that's what I've, what I've done. did in high school, uh, farm background, love farming, love agriculture, definitely a passion of mine. And uh, because of that, I knew I, I like to work with, with things with, but I also like to work with people. And so, in December of 2018, I started working for Nutridrip, and that's currently where I work today. So that'll be five years here in a couple months, and it's just been this continual continual growth. But at that moment in December of 2018, or leading up to that moment, was when you when I was able to figure out like, hey, this is this is my passion, this is what I'm good at, and here's a need for somebody. And to, to put those circles together, it clicked. For those that are familiar with Nutridrip, give us the elevator pitch of what Nutridrip is and what this company does. So Nutridrip is a subsurface drip irrigation company that was started in 2012 by my grandparents and then my uncle's curtain tent. And... What we do is we sell, install, and service drip irrigation systems across the Midwest. And we just recently added an agronomy service, and we've been getting involved in wastewater or uh, manure management for 
for dairies in the upper Midwest in the last five years. And what we specifically do is, is specialize in irrigating and fertigating odd-shaped hilly fields. And that involves burying plastic lines that are 5 eighths or 7 eighths in diameter, 12 to 16 inches below the soil surface. And then they're plowed in every 40 or 60 inches across a field, depending on your soil type and farming practice. And so this irrigation system has no evaporation, no runoff. It covers every acre of a field and allows for the most efficient application of in-season nutrients. That's what Nutri-Drip is. Um, and, and above all that, the culture is, there's a whole bunch of people that are trying to add value to a whole bunch of farmers. And so for you, Taylor, what does that mean that your everyday looks like? Yeah, so my primary role every day, so I manage the territory, what I call the Northern Territory for our company. Um, we have the privilege of operating in, I think, nine or 10 states now. And uh, my territory covers Minnesota, South Dakota, and North Dakota. And just serving the growers that we have in that region, whether it's taking, you know, taking some service calls, uh, coming in, coordinating those with guys, um, or agronomy support in season, you know, hey, we, you know, I don't know what to apply here. This is what the history said. This is what this test is showing. And then trying to figure out, well, is that the right test to even be running for this? That is a little bit what we do on agronomy. But primarily, I focus a lot on sales, new business. So going out, I'm meeting with customers. A lot of guys say, hey, I have this crazy shaped field. Can you irrigate it? Is it worth it? And so, Showing up on Guy's Farm, getting to know, looking at the field, taking all that information back, plugging it in, coming up with a plan, saying, hey, yes, we can do this. This is what it looks like. Here's how it's gonna happen. Here's who's gonna be doing it. What does success look like to them at the end of the day? That's what we're trying to get to, right? right? And so usually it involves trying to work that back. Like, okay, what do you, what do you need to be successful? Because sometimes, you're, there's there's tile that needs to happen before irrigation. Other times there's tillage management practices that need to change. There's so many different things within agriculture that you have to, when you go to consider all those variables, it just takes a lot of time and effort. So sort through the little details. So these days you're doing these assessments, the troubleshooting, the problem solving, the planning, and really honing in on what that producer's vision of success looks like for their farm and for that particular field. What would you tell 20-year-old Taylor? If 20-year-old me would listen to 24-year-old me, is that's my first question. If the answer is yes, I would listen to myself four years ago, or I would say figure out who you are. Because if you can't, Figure out, if you struggle to figure out who you are, then figure out who you're not because you have to know who you are and what you desire in life before you can answer the questions, where do you wanna go and how are you gonna get there? So for me, that was figuring out that I, was not the person I thought I was. I was living a life that I I needed to change. And I figured out I wanted to be a follower of Christ. And that, I guess, that is what changed my life for the better. And 
put me on a pathway to consistent growth through that, through, through the spirit, mm-hmm. through the word of God. Was there a moment? Oh yeah. Yep. There was definitely a moment. Yep. My, my brother called me up one afternoon, my younger brother, and basically in essence said, I'm giving my life to Christ. We knew from a very young age that was what was expected of us. And it was our decision. It was, we were always told, hey, this someday you will have to make this decision. Because if you don't make it in this life, you're going to make it in the next one. And all of a sudden, you know, you never think about it. You're living in the here and the now. And I was three years into college just doing things that I thought were, I mean, Doing things that I thought were getting me farther in life than they really were. Uh, I love to be around people. And so getting to college and being around people and alcohol was like my number one thing. (laughs) And all of a sudden my brother's calling me and we're having a conversation. And I'm like looking at my life the last three years. And it was, was God that just hit me, you know, see? who you are. And I was nothing at that point. I, I didn't know what I really wanted to be doing in life. I didn't know who my friends were. I didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I give up. I'm done trying to live for myself. Oh, I'll, I want to live for something different. You, you get to that point and then all of a sudden, God hears you, and away you go. And you just don't look back. And every day you wake up, going to serve. Don't know how some days, but you do. You find a way. So if your advice to 20-year-old Taylor was know who you are, who would you say you are now? I would say that the first thing that always comes to, come to my mind, and people ask me, you know, what do you do for a job, or who are you? I say, I'm a Christian. I follow Christ, you know, and a lot of people are like, that's not what we expect uh, for response. Like, oh, I thought you'd tell me what your work or something else. Um, but no, I, who I am is I'm a follower of Christ and, and steward the resources that he's given me by following his word and the, and the spirit of God. Oh, that's awesome, Taylor. And so, okay, how do you bring that into the work that you do every day? The word that I think of is stewardship. And there's so many examples in the Bible of of what that looks like. Serving others, being responsible with resources that have been entrusted to, to myself, to my wife and I, to my uncles, my family, the work, the farmers that we interact with. Just considering that a blessing just to be on someone's farm and have them spend the time with you for a couple hours showing you around, even though you may never, you may never do business with them. You may never put a system in, just things that can happen. But when you get when you get home and you think about what happened and who you were and what you said and and you realize that. You know, you can be a light, an example, by the spirit that lives within us. 
then, and that person received that, not because it was me that did it. It was just that I allowed myself to be used by God. Not, there's nothing that I can do as a human being to make that impact. It has to come from a higher power. And so just being a steward of who I am, what I have right now today, and availing myself to allowing God to work through me in others' lives. But let's add one more lens to that. When you talk about stewardship, because your career path you chose is all about the stewarding of the earth's resources. And the stewardship is essentially sustainability. And so being able to ask the question directly, how are you stewarding this land? How are you stewarding your, your fertilizer program, yeah, your agronomy? Uh, tillage practices. Is that what's best for you? It's 100% tied into uh, tied into the gospel, uh, which is awesome. It's, it's great because it, it always makes a great uh, segue into conversation about the gospel and a way to, a way to bring, that, bring that about because, you know, you can always tell a Christian by what characteristic is they always want to talk about Christ and the gospel, right? Like that's <laughs> what happens. Evidently, you know, it always comes out in some way. That's just what happens, I guess, for me. I, it's because that overarching. That's did I did I choose? Did I choose to do this? Yes, uh, but choosing to do it in in the way that I feel that God has led me to do it is why I'm here. I guess not like I just went out and made the choice. There's a lot of things that played into that. A lot of little pieces of a path that all lined up. And they put you in a position now, Taylor, to not just be in a career and have a job doing what you do, but that allows you to be that light and to serve a big purpose. And ultimately, you're using your career in this industry as part of your bigger mission and commission. I, I think to myself oftentimes that People spend their whole lives trying to find a dream job or, you know, figure it out, whatever it is. And here I am, I get to wake up every day, have interactions like this, um, but on farms, around agriculture, around things that Matt, I don't, things that really hit home emotionally for guys and gals. And I, I get to go home every day after one of these conversations and just... First of all, pray that, okay, hopefully I didn't say anything too dumb. And hopefully what I said, the, the spirit takes and, and they, they heard it the way it was intended to be said. And then you get to hit the pillow like, wow, that was amazing. Um, and, I, and I just hope that other people can, can get that, that same experience out of, their, out of their jobs, life, marriages, whatever it is, it, it comes back to service. Yeah, absolutely. And just by sharing this piece of your career, but your big purpose, this is all in service to others. And I think there'll be other folks out there that hear this particular part of your career journey and relate to it in a really powerful way. I always like to ask guests on the Up Level Dairy Young Leaders podcast about the biggest challenge they faced in their career so far. Yeah, I know what my biggest challenge is, and I know what it, I know what it will always be, and what a, you know, 
what it is today, what was it yesterday, what it will be tomorrow. And that's myself every time, hands down. So what I mean by that is I don't know what I don't know. And as a, as a young person that's involved in the industry, you can, you get excited and you're passionate about your culture and the things that you do and you want to get better and grow and develop more. And, and yet you're only, I'm only 24. And so there's just things that you don't know because you're 24 years old and you, there's not a lot that you could do about that. I just, I don't know where I seen if it was LinkedIn a month or two ago where it's one of those situations as Warren Buffett was quoting and he said, if you can't have, you can't take nine women and make a baby in a month. There's just, there's just things that take time. And it just hit me like, okay, that's, that's part of this process. That's part of developing yourself, a business where you want to go in the future is there's things that take time and I don't know what I don't know. And so that has been my struggle is, well, what don't I know? And you get all these new ideas from books and, and, and trying to figure out certain specific problems in a business. You know, how do you, well, what, what can we do to increase profit margin or how do we increase this efficiency on an install or tons of different things that you can always attack. But if you never step back and look at yourself and you're not, you're, you're looking at the, the process and not the people, the culture type stuff that is way, way more important in my opinion, than, than those processes at all. It is initially, of course, you have to have that right to develop good processes, but not getting in the way myself, realizing I don't know what I don't know. And then trying to ask people for the feedback of what I don't know. Okay. You're laying out a lot here, Taylor. So is there a particular time that comes to mind when you talk about that really identifying this challenge of you being your own biggest challenge? And, and just to preface also, when you say this, this is all of us, like this is, it, this is almost everyone. And if you don't recognize that you're missing the boat. So kudos to you at 24 years old for calling this out at the age you are at. Because you are already just by recognizing, having awareness, moving yourself forward so much faster. But getting back to, you know, a time that comes to mind when this just played out in front of you, almost like a movie. Um, tell, tell us about that. Yeah, actually last week this just happened. So great timing. So we're, we're trying to grow a business and develop structure. And I was able to actually pick up a guy to take a lot of the service and operation work from me and kind of take that and run with it and develop it, make it better. I'm an ideas guy, I'm a social guy, but I need help with planning because I, I, I'm an executor, but so I will, I will just go and execute even when there's not a good plan, which doesn't really end very well. <laughs> Because then there's a lot of people that stand around and like, okay, we did something, but what did we actually get done? Well, it wasn't a lot because we didn't plan through it. Um, my brother helped me find a guy that was really good at it and, and we, we picked him up. And so throughout this transition process and um, 
hiring and and then well what you know what is he specifically going to do and and drawing that out uh this employee has been able to ask me questions about well what are you doing about this now you know about your sales process or um how are you organizing this stuff and just really simple questions that i haven't asked myself but coming from him in a different perspective it's made a world of difference and created an awareness in me like wow i wasn't aware of these things now i am thanks to these questions from this person uh, we can now we can make a plan and execute and it works because there's this awareness and so one of the things was we have been doing some r and d work up here and my uncle has been involved my uncle is the owner of our company so he's the owner he's you know the the final say guy doing r and d work so there's some capex involved and so you're trying to sort through where do i sit here am i you know what this is in my region but it's not my company but i'm involved in the company so how do i make these decisions and i can be a planner if i need to be but i just need to be told that i am or i need to not told i just need to be say hey this is your responsibility right and uh so what happened was we did this r&d project we showed up and and everything was was going to work like it you know hey well this is the plan oh perfect and of course it's r d so you need to have like plan a and then b c d e f g all of them right it's not an r d where you're trying to learn as much as you can and so you need to be able to try a whole bunch of different plans and that that means there's different pumps you got to have ready different different fittings that need to be on site and and all this stuff needs to be taken care of and none of it was um, there was a plan a and if that didn't work well then we we're going to go to plan b but plan B hadn't been thought through. None of this is his fault or it's equally his. It is mine, I guess. And because there wasn't this communication. And so what I, what, what ha I was frustrated at the end of the day, I was pretty upset. And I, I was like, what happened here? What could have I done better? And it was that time in business where he as a leader of a company has an entire five other regions, Kansas, Arkansas, all these different places that he can focus on. And actually, this is my opportunity to say, hey, actually, this is, you know, this is my responsibility. I appreciate your help. You can be there, but I'll, I'm the lead on this. And so I, I called my other uncle because they own the business together. And I'm like, hey, here's what I'm frustrated about. What, it, what, what am I missing? What, what haven't I, like, what's going on here? And he just said, well, why didn't you, why didn't, why don't you, why don't you say this to him? Why don't you communicate this to him? Why are you calling me? And I'm like, well, because it's my own fault. Cause all I had to do was say the same thing. I just like, and so I got upset at him for not planning on a project, but I had just done the same thing with our company and the way that these positions are, you know, not positions, but who's responsible in this region. So I hadn't planned that out. So the next day I was like, okay, I'm gonna put a plan together. We're gonna to work together in the, the day. So I put out a, I made a little Excel sheet with who's on site, what do we got for equipment, who's responsible for the pumps, VFDs, electrical, all this stuff, put it all together, put it on the spreadsheet at the end of the day, the company we're working for and doing R&D with asked, okay, who's the lead guy? And I said, it's me, I'm responsible for all these things. And then these guys are the assistants, here's their, here's their jobs, here's what we're gonna do next week going forward. And you know, my uncle looked at me like, Yep. Sounds great. You know, and there was, it was it. And so I had built this whole thing in my mind of, well, this is my territory, but he's the owner of the business. 
what do I do here? And it was like, it was that time when I needed to call another person and they said, well, this is when you take action. Like you have to do something here, right? And it's time that you step into that role because it's never like, uh, there's never a moment, right? When somebody says, in a small business especially, there's never gonna be this perfect, clear cut, defined, okay, now we're doing this. It's yeah. almost, it's always like that process where you all of a sudden you pick your head up and you're like, oh, we're doing that now, you know? And so how do I, how do you identify those things? How do I, I don't know, I, but that's the experience that happened. That totally makes sense, Taylor. And what I hear through that story to kind of pull it all together is, you know, so here you had a project for the company and you really were leading the project, but maybe didn't quite see yourself as the leader of the project. So you you were you were in a position where you had an opportunity that here you are and you're being trusted with a lot of responsibility and you see yourself as young in your career, young in the field, and having senior people around you. But this project was a big deal, and it is a big deal when all of a sudden you realize that you look around and when they ask someone asks who's in charge. You're like, oh my gosh, it's me, <laughs> it's me. And so, so here you had this opportunity to really recognize one, your role as a leader, but that came, you know, kind of after going through the experience of saying, okay, well, next time, you know, in order to do this, we need to have a, a different way of planning and, and a different way of, as you said, you are an executor. Like, you know, that is your strength. But what you learn through this, it sounds like, is that you sometimes have to recognize what you're being entrusted with as a leader in your company and that you are trusted and that in that position, there's some things that you're going to have to learn how to do that maybe don't come naturally, like the planning side. Yeah, 100%. I would say the nice part about it is, is it's those things that, so as I put together this plan and it's, it's an art, it's a research and development, you know, field site plan or however you want to word it. But basically it's who's on site, what do we have on site for equipment, who's responsible for what, what are the plans and what are the, you know, every day, what is the, what does the plan look like? What have we tried? And then the data that we're tracking and you go ahead and take a half a day to make that sheet and now you never have to do it again. You can always change it up a little bit, but it's done now. And it's, it's this little thing that it's just so crazy when you, when you have, that's all it took to do that and to make it clear, right? Cause the whole thing is on R and D, especially, I mean, everything, but R and D you want clarity of what is, are we actually trying to accomplish? Because you can gobble up a ton of CapEx cost in no time just trying this, trying that, trying, but if you never, like, what are we actually, so at the top of the sheet, I like main goal and primary goal, or, you know, we know that you can always see those, but making that now, and I made it, I just out of necessity, out of failure, is where it came from, and now it's done, and I'm hoping to apply it on future R&D projects. Yeah, and so you took that experience, and now you have a template. So Taylor, this is a huge takeaway. They seem like a challenge that came along in your journey, but do you also see how this sets you up and the whole company for future success? 
that is fantastic that you were able to look at this situation. And I'm guessing there are probably some moments of discomfort in the process and things that you're like, oh, this isn't, you know, how you wanted to be moving through it. But how much better will the next project go because of it? Yeah, it will go extremely well because there's no other option. And I, I know what it looks like. Um, I think that was the biggest holdup in my mind is I didn't, you, you're like, okay, we're going to do this. I'm responsible. Well, what does that look like? And for me, so many times I'm overcomplicating what it looks like. And all I got to do is just, okay, what's the main goal? Who's here? What are we trying to accomplish? And what are we going to accomplish it with? And, and just putting that out there on paper and getting input from the teammates on those specific questions and bam, like, okay, there it is. It's cleared up. And it was, and it's, it's just, but it takes a little bit of effort. You're, you're creating, you're creating something out of nothing, but oftentimes it's really not, a, you don't have to, it's not as hard as you think it's going to be. So what I'm hearing through, through what you just shared, Taylor, is the value of taking time to gather some input and do some planning, set clear goals expectations. And do you know what the magic piece of the puzzle is? You write it down. You write it down because if it only exists in your head, it doesn't, it doesn't exist in anyone else's either. Not the way that you see it, right? So this is your way of bringing clarity to a process. And that is such a fundamental piece of success in working with other people is clarity because of the nature of the of the business that you're in is like, you're going to have so much freedom to do things that you almost have to operate with an entrepreneurial mindset. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's one of those, a privilege that I have among many is an entrepreneur to be an entrepreneur, the ability to, to grow a business that you didn't necessarily start and to be involved with that has been awesome. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's one thing that I'm really thankful for where I'm at. And one of the, one of the reasons I love where I'm at is, is because that opportunity to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. So you get to help build something from the ground up and does that excite you? It's always exciting. I have a, I have a very opportunistic mindset. Well, if people ask you on a scale of one to 100, how many opportunities do you have? It's a hundred every time. Like it's endless. There's never a shortage. Well, it's always exciting to you when you have a business because you don't, you just like, oh, man, this could, this stuff is, this could be huge. It's just up to me. There's no, nobody says you can't or can. It's totally up to inside. Yeah. Like, figure it out, get it done. <laughs> Absolutely. So let me swing back with a question for you about that, because what I've learned as an entrepreneur myself, who also, you know, I see a lot of opportunities and sunshine and rainbows, you know, every direction I look, right? The hardest part of that is deciding what to say no to and what opportunities you don't pursue. So how are you managing that? Uh, you need to continually ask me that question like every week, text me, how are you managing your opportunities? Cause I struggle with that a lot. I get excited about everything and 
you try to put energy into all these different things, even getting nothing done, right? Everybody always asks the question, oh, are you busy? Yeah, I'm always busy, but don't ask me if I'm always productive because <laughs> that's two different, very different things. I would say that becoming aware of it was a first step in managing it. And I think that is uh, continual awareness in every different piece of what I do. It seems like you relapse quickly. Like if it's not, if I'm not focused on sales and, and, and different, you know, making anybody that's in sales, you have a, you have a goal of how many people you want to, you want to make sure to reach out and contact and you have touch points and cadences and all these things and metrics. And, you know, you can, that helps you, but then all of a sudden I'm doing an R and D project and now there's a different goal. And, and then I come back to sales and it takes me a little bit to get my momentum back. And so I think, Right now I'm working through what do I actually need to do today to accomplish the overarching goal of our company, which is adding value to farmers, adding value to growers through drip irrigation. Well, farmers got to have drip irrigation in order to add value through it. So the first thing we got to do is get drip irrigation in a field, right? So that means a sale. So that means I need to focus on sales. And so I'm working through those steps of Okay, if I need to focus on sales, well, then who's going to cover these things? And do we have, do we have stuff set up? Okay, if we don't have stuff set up, can we hire somebody to do that? Oh, if we're going to hire somebody, do they know what we want done? And then, and then it's outlining a clear expectation. Okay, this is we're going to hire you. You're going to do this thing, and this is what the you know this is what success looks like for us. Um, yeah, that's so that all that stuff takes weeks of time to do, and you're always redoing it. But uh, getting on top of that, and then. Just asking myself the question, what do I actually need to do today? And so, Taylor, we've talked about your experiences in these first few years of your career. What are a couple of the top resources that you find really helpful, like books, podcasts, um, things like that? What do you tap into to develop yourself? I love books, podcasts, love information, and I have been heavy on those Oh, well, probably since I was like a sophomore in high school, junior high school. And, but recently, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned is to, to sit down and, and, and figure out who you work with. Like my uncles is for me. And then figure out who they are as a person. So my one, if anybody's familiar with disc profile, my one uncle is a D. And I'm a D. So it's very easy to get to a point and to get to results. And it's like a five minute phone conversation. And we, we have a very good understanding of where each other's at and what, what the expectation is or who's the problem. <laughs> and, and it, and I really enjoy that because that's how I operate. But my other uncle and a lot of other people in the company that I work with with NutriDrip is their S's and their C's, they're steady. They're not confrontational. They like to be, you know, not just call them up. Hey, I was going blah, 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 blah. You know, here's a problem. Here's what I need help with. You know, it's just like, whoa, that's too much. And I really struggle with that. Uh, it's always been a struggle of mine through high school, college, everything is, is, uh, man, this guy just thinks he knows what he's talking about, thinks he knows everything and just a bullheaded dude. And my six, four frame does not help it. And so it's just this whole, like, 
well, how am I making other people feel? Mm. And when you want to learn and grow in a business and you don't aren't aware of how you make other people feel, and then you're trying to like ask them questions to tell you, to give you feedback. And they're like, no, I'm not going to give you feedback because you make me feel not good. And you're just like, ah, how am I supposed to fix problems that I'm not aware of? But, you know, and, but eventually like, okay, I'm aware that I'm making them feel uncomfortable enough that even though I'm asking them questions to give me feedback, it's not happening. And so I need to sit down and think, okay, if this, this person receives these things this way, then I must ask this type of question and I need to wait for a response and not talk over them and all those obvious things that you don't do. And so figuring out who the people around me are and how they want to be interacted with, how they want to be communicated with. Like some guys, I'm better off emailing and not even picking up the phone because mm -hmm. it's just going to go way easier. They can type it up. It's a lot less confrontational. And so the resources for growing and developing is like around me and asking those people in specific ways how they need to be asked to give me feedback so that I may grow and develop with the company. That's a really good one too, Taylor, because what I'm hearing through that is, I mean, you can do all the personality assessments and everything else in the world and have all that information in front of you of who is a D and who is an S and everything else. But if you don't intentionally change and adjust your style, it doesn't really get that far, does it? No, I'm, I'll be the first one to tell you it does not get that far. And it is, it's ongoing. I don't think there, I, I don't expect it to just one day it will go away. It's, um, it's an awareness thing. That's some good stuff. Well, Taylor, I tell you, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the Up Level Dairy and Leaders podcast. And thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Peggy. It's been awesome. And I love what you're doing. And with Up Level Dairy, I didn't mention that podcast. Oh, yeah. Feel free to throw that into the list. I've been listening to that and I am impressed with the simplicity of the advice given by those, given by your hosts and you. It's wonderful. It's little bite-sized pieces of information that are easy to take, digest, and implement. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Appreciate that. Shout out back to Up Level Dairy Podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Up Level Dairy Young Leaders Podcast. Find these episodes on the Up Level Dairy Podcast as well as the Up Level Dairy Young Leaders Podcast channel. And do your friends in their early dairy careers a favor by sharing this episode and this podcast with them. And if you want a space to network and plug in with other producers and professionals in the first five years of their dairy careers who are driven to make a difference and determined to do it in dairy, find us on our Facebook page and join the Up Level Dairy Young Leaders Facebook page. And head on over to upleveldairy.com to subscribe to receive the Up Level Dairy podcast new episodes in your inbox every week. Appreciate you joining us for the Up Level Dairy podcast. This is Peggy Coffin, and have a great day.